0: Welcome to NFL
1: Live, Monday Night Football from L.A. last night. And that's where we begin, as, of course, the storylines were all over the place with former Cowboys offensive coordinator Kellen Moore and the Chargers taking on the Cowboys on Monday Night Football. First quarter, Cowboys down 7-0. Dak Prescott takes the read option up the middle himself. Dak, what do you think about losing your legs?
2: Obviously, I mean, those guys had some great, great coverage at the beginning of the play. And Mike always is preaching about the 2.3, and guys did a great job of coming open after staying alive, Offensive line keeping uh, keeping their bodies on someone, giving me a chance to get out in different lanes, and so uh, kind of how it played. But I think it's something that can benefit us.
1: You love to see it start of the fourth quarter. Score is tied 10-10. Dallas on their own 24, third and 11, and Prescott scrambling around finds Tony Pollard Hawk.
3: Yeah, Dak does a great job extending the play Tony does an incredible job of giving him an outlet and he is one of these players you love the most. You give him a little bit. He gives you a lot.
1: I love it. Da- Dallas is now in scoring range, and later in the drive second and goal from the two Prescott dropping back finding Brandon Cooks right here and a leaping grab in the end zone for the touchdown Dak, How was it getting cooks involved?
2: Cooks did a great job uh, tonight was a. Tonight was due. Tonight was it was due up and just uh, the player that he's been, the person that he's been, everything that he brings to this team, uh, getting the touchdown, big third down catches, plays that he made all over the field. And uh, he was due for a night like this.
1: Yeah, we're talking to Dactor in this highlight. Later in the fourth quarter, fourth the goal for LA. Herbert rolling right there and Gerald Everett for the touchdown. The Chargers tie it 17 to seven. So, we'll see what they've got in score after a Dallas go-ahead field goal. Chargers third and ten with a minute 30 to go. And Herbert feeling the rush right there. He steps up to throw, but intercepted by Stefan Gilmore. The Cowboys hang on for a bounce-back win in L.A., 20-17. to And Dak Prescott posted his 19th career game with a passing touchdown and a rushing touchdown. That's second most since he entered the NFL in 2016, trailing only Josh Allen. The Cowboys are now 17-2 and when Prescott gets a touchdown through the air and on the ground. Certainly a recipe for success in a lot of ways there. And what a crew we have for you today here on NFL Live. Andrew Hawkins here with me in Bristol. We got Dan and Marcus along for the ride as well. Well, Dan's ready to the Marcus Wave. Hawk, don't do it. I know you weren't <laughs> going to. No yeah, way. get out of here. All right. Do <laughs> Marcus, Marcus, we want to start with the Cowboy who, of course, <laughs> you were there on site. You got to see this in person. So I go, why was Dak so successful last night?
4: Because he became a playmaker, Boogie. And sometimes that's what it's calls for you to be. We talked about this offense and how stagnant it was against San Francisco, how he stood in the pocket, how everything was vanilla. You saw on the keeper that we showed in the highlights earlier And right here is that Dak just making a play. That ball was actually bobbled, but he saw what he needed to see and he and he got himself out of trouble and ended up with a touchdown. Here's another one rolling out evading pressure and getting the ball to a playmaker and allowing him to make plays even on the cooks uh, touchdown throw. It was a fadeaway touchdown throw. Those are the things that yeah. you're going to need from Dak Prescott. Everything is not going to be structured. And we talk about Mike McCarthy and the calls that he makes and the type of offense that he's running. At times, you just have to turn into a playmaker. And y'all y'all know, this is what I applaud Lamar Jackson for so much. Not saying Dak is Lamar Jackson, but when you have to come out of the element of playing this structured Type of offense and things need to happen immediately, and you need to have some explosive plays. Go be a playmaker as opposed to thinking that we just go trug alone.
2: Yeah, two things I liked. One, where they move C. D. Lamb around to. We talked about that for the last two weeks, and then this game down came down to two plays. One that was made by Dak Prescott in the red zone, and one that was not made by Justin Herbert in very similar situations we moved we moved CD around we gave him the different options on the route tree here he's at the bottom of the screen runs a deep stop route versus man coverage there's a completion we had not necessarily seen much of that this time he's at the number three spot in empty he gets to work the middle of the field Dak, Dak Prescott throws him open versus the zone coverage we've seen him by himself we see him in the slot now we see him in the number two position in their bunch set and he gets to run the deep corner route that was absolutely spectacular. Now this is the play that I think determines the game we get motion the defender follows this is called a deep red zone mesh both him and Brandon Cooks are going to run basically to the back corner. There's two guys Dak Prescott needs to see there's three defenders who's the double teamer which guy gets double team who doesn't Brandon Cooks doesn't get double team the other receiver does Dak has to drift away from Tony Pollard's block and trust that he's going to go into space. And I love that throw Marcus that he makes Hawk with that touch. Justin Herbert Absolutely. had a very similar throw and didn't make it to Josh Palmer. I love the way the UCD and I think that play wins them the game.
3: I think you're both right. They played great Dak Prescott played impeccable but I don't want to rain on the parade, but they played like a team that was confident in the opponent they were going against a Ooh. team that was going against the worst statistical secondary in the league. Mike McCarthy called a game like that. They got CD lamb down the field. Dak Prescott was getting the ball out. He felt confident extending plays and that's all well and good. But for their talent, this is what we expect. What we need from them is to give us much more when things that are set in place in the teams that they're going against They're giving us more than we expect. You get judged in the NFL off of above expected rate. And for the Cowboys, Mm -hmm. what we've seen from them from the 49ers, that's more cause for concern than me overreacting to them having a really good game against a bad defense. All
1: right, so Hawks like drizzling on the Cowboys. I'm going to pour on them a little bit here, okay? Because they did get the win, but there were some concerns, most notably the end of the first half. Let's go through this, okay? Mike McCarthy making some questionable decisions here. 50 seconds left in the first half. Game is tied at 7-7. Dak Prescott finding Michael Gallup along the sidelines for a first down in Chargers territory. The clock continues to run. Dallas has two timeouts still available, but elect not to use one. Okay, so then later in the drive you're going to see the, the clock ticking down there. Later in the drive 14 seconds is left in the half. The Cowboys in the red zone here Prescott hitting Tony Pollard there at the middle. Uh, that's a three yard gain. McCarthy again letting that clock go down and eventually calls a timeout but with three seconds left to go. So then after the timeout, three seconds left in the half, Brandon Aubrey hits the 32-yard field goal. Here's Jerry Jones with more on these decisions.
5: This is not an uh, uh, impassioned uh, response to your question
4: at all, but I thought we should have tried another pass in the end zone and, and, uh,
5: and just the clock accordingly.
2: Do you think not doing that, shows a lack of faith that Mike might have in Dak's ability to make that decision?
5: Not at all, not at all. Uh, no, it doesn't get that, reach that bone with me at all.
2: Hmm,
1: okay. Dan, oh, what goes. did you make of the decision making there toward the end?
2: Yeah, it's it's improper clock management, hypothetical word, just world. imagine if the Charters had gone down and scored. We, yeah. We'd be going back to that halftime situation. Here's how it should be operated. On that snap, that starts at 13 seconds, and he throws the check down to Tony Pollard. Immediately, this is the scramble play by Dak, that's awesome, um, immediately when he throws that check down to Tony Pollard, Mike McCarthy should be standing there ready to call a timeout with about nine seconds on the clock. You call a play that you have, let's say CD Lamb by himself, we're going to run a fade route to the goal line or to the end zone, and if the defense somehow decides to play press man, we take our shot. And if not, you tell Dak Prescott two things. Number one, Dak, you can't run around. There's eight or nine seconds left. We are getting a field goal. You cannot run around or take a sack and waste time. Number two, the ball cannot be caught in play. It has to be into the end zone or nowhere. Drop back. If they play coverage, we sail over his head. Six seconds run off and we kick our field goal. That was a poor mismanagement that didn't hurt them last night. It could in the future.
4: Dio, I'm glad you explained that, but that to us, that's elementary football, right? Like all of us sitting here. That's that is exactly what we thought was happening. Even when the clock was still at eight seconds until the until they went down the three because there was some confusion there thinking that it was going to be a timeout call and I heard Jerry on that radio interview and I understand what he's saying because that may not be the sentiment between Mike McCarthy and Dak Prescott in that particular situation, but you know what it looks like to the outside. You know what it looks like to us that you don't trust your football team in that situation. Because this, look, it's all great to your point because you won by three and you can go back and say, hey, we took the points and we were able to win the football game. And that's fine and well. But most of the time, you're going to be in a situation where you're going to need to try to put seven up on the board, six points, and then get an extra point on the board at that particular situation. So it worked out here, but it does make people scratch their head. And it did make me think, is it a lack of trust? Or are you worried about him turning the football over in this situation? It
3: does seem like yeah. everything he's done so far this year is exactly for that. Marcus to mitigate the risk that this offense showed a year ago, even how they've changed the offense up to not take as many shots to not put the ball in Dak's hands as much as they did a season before. He is either a bad coach or he is the best coach because to your point, then that's either bad clock management or it is him taking the bird in the hand because the one in the bush has historically been too yeah. risky for this offense.
2: Real quick, Mm -hmm. I I don't think this is high level. Uh, I think once a guy's like in his second year of college football, he's capable of handling that situation. That's something you practice all the time. Now, we've seen the Giants handle it poorly this year. We've seen the Jets do it as well. But that is something that is very basic. You line CD, Hawk, you know this, mm-hmm. CD, we're going to run a go route. If somehow they decide to play press man, we're going to take our shot. And you just tell Dak those are two things you can't do, but Dak should have practiced that 100 yeah. times situation before. So I just think this is a poor Management of the situation that they got lucky. It didn't bite them in the end.
1: Yeah, I mean guys the other thing too here It's not apples to apples But when you think about management clock management game management decision-making that has been the criticism of McCarthy in big moments And I think that allows us the opportunity to criticize this if if he's making great decisions all the time We're probably not worried about it it real fast Marcus
4: And and, and Boogie, to your point, like the criticism is based on what the expectation is for this team. Mm -hmm. It's not based on winning a game or having that situation take place. We're basing this off of when you need to be, when you need to have that situation, when you need to put yourself in a position to score a touchdown. They got the win and everybody relaxes, but you got three football players sitting up here. And Boogie, you've been around this game long enough to know that that Monday meeting is going to be an opportunity missed as opposed to saying we should have done something different we got to win.
1: Yeah, the context is important there. Okay, guys, bad news out of Indy last night where Colts owner Jim Irsay told ESPN rookie quarterback Anthony Richardson saying he's quote, probably going to miss the regular season with his injured shoulder. You hate to hear that as Dan Graziano jumps in with us here. Dan, what more can you add to this story about Richardson?
5: Yeah, Laura, the, the Colts have been sort of sifting through different opinions and different options with Anthony Richardson over really the past week. Uh, And there is, and has always been, the possibility that he would need season-ending surgery uh, on that shoulder. And obviously Jim Ursay telling our Stephen Holder last night that that seemed like the most likely outcome. They haven't entirely arrived at that decision just yet. There are other factors to consider, not the least of which is what Anthony Richardson himself wants to do. But uh, the Colts want to be cautious with this. It's fresh in their minds, the people that run the Colts. All the stuff that Andrew Luck went through early or late in his career, as it turned out, Uh, And that that drove him from the game. They don't want a situation like that to happen again. So they want as painful as it will be if they have to play the rest of the year without their exciting rookie quarterback. They want to have him around for a very long time.
1: Yeah, it's a a great point when you think about it from that standpoint Graz and thanks for that information more from you coming Dan. Oh, (laughs) the other Dan when you think about Richardson though, he hasn't played that much and, and we've talked about it a lot. How big a deal is this for his development?
2: I mean, outside of a career-ending injury, this was the worst thing that could happen this season when it came to Anthony Richardson. He, we, we all talked about it coming out of school. Barely played, not enough snaps in his college career. Needs to play. And then he gets on the field, and so much of what he does is awesome that, honestly, Laura, after a month, you start sitting there going, man, the Colts look like they could be, at least in the playoff conversation throughout this season. The, yeah. the defense is playing so well, yep. and he's been so... Absolute electric and so not only the opportunity to get the reps as they build for the future it was you're watching this team going man they could they could be like at least respectable this year so for him to lose out on that is a big deal I don't want to minimize it he's going to have to be as good as he can this year when it comes to learning all the mental stuff I still say this from this point forward the only thing that I will be thinking about is what big time wide receiver do the Colts get between mm. now and the start of next year.
1: Yeah, and then whenever he comes back, he's probably like, all right, well, this might have been worth the wait. All right, we're just getting started here on NFL Live. We got a lot more coming your way. The Ravens have struggled to score in the red zone in the past two weeks. What's gone wrong for Lamar Jackson? How can they fix it? We'll answer that question here. Plus, the Patriots one in five start has all of New England in a panic. Can they turn things around? Is it too late? We'll have a report from Mike Reese in Foxborough next with all the latest. We'll be right back.
6: The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are designed by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. It's designed by real people for real conversations. Get 50% off at babbel.com slash tackle, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash tackle. Rules and restrictions may apply.
1: Hey, the Sunday NFL Countdown Crew has you covered for week 6, 10 a.m. Eastern, and Scott Van Pelt and the Monday Night Countdown Crew gets you set for 49ers Vikings, a two-hour pregame show starting at 6 Eastern, both on ESPN and the app. All right, let's read and react to the news around the league. Jalen Hurts off to a three-interception, coming off a three-interception game and a loss on Sunday against the Jets. He's getting a little help, though. Look at this. The Eagles signed wide receiver Julio Jones to a one-year deal today. This is Julio's Fourth team in four years, and he reunites with A.J. Brown, of course, who was his teammate in Tennessee. Hawk, what do you think? What does this addition mean for the Eagles?
3: Listen, Hall of Fame Korean, while he might not be that on the field anymore, he does add depth to an already super talented position group. And more importantly, a veteran presence that both Brown and Devontae Smith have stated on the record that they respect so much as they're trying to figure out what life is like after Losing a Super Bowl and dealing with the expectation Mm. AJ Brown is only 26 years old. Yes, he is the leader in that group, but there's still a lot that he's learning. And so with Julio Jones in there, again, it gives them depth. And more importantly, it settles these guys down as they try to make another run at a Super Bowl.
1: I want Julio to go out on a high note. Let's see if that can happen. All right, let's go to Jacksonville where Trevor Lawrence is dealing with an injured knee. He spoke about that last hour.
4: Feel a lot better today than I would have thought. So I like how I'm progressing and. You know, i'm gonna do everything i can to, to be out there on thursday how limited are
0: you with the, with the brace and just doing practice short week all that kind of stuff
4: you know i mean it's a short week anyway so physically we're not doing much you know you're trying to get your bodies back ready for sunday regardless of if there's an injury or not um so hasn't affected me a ton because we just haven't done too much so i'm just trying to take care of it and, and try to put me in the best position to be able to play on thursday
1: yeah they do play the saints on a short week a uh, positive news though maybe they're dan
2: Absolutely L- Laura I'd say this when when he's got a little Josh Allen in him. This is my favorite version of Trevor Lawrence when he's like oh that's a really difficult throw and I'm good enough to make it some of these whole shots that he ripped necessarily you wouldn't throw versus some of the coverages that he got and then I love. When Jacksonville uses his legs and when Trevor, sometimes there's no hesitation. He just takes off from the pocket, sees a seam, takes off, gets eight or ten yards because you know he's athletic enough. That is my favorite version. That is the version that Jacksonville, if they get, is capable of going to the Super Bowl with. That version of Trevor Lawrence when he's just got that little bit of Josh Allen in his game.
1: Yeah, you see that talent really on display when that happens, Dan, to your point, to Houston, where D'Amico Ryans and the Texans sent five or more pass rushers on 36% of dropbacks on Sunday, almost twice their rate from the first five games of the season. The extra rusher was very effective. Okay, Houston pressured Derek Carr over half the time when they sent a blitz and allowed just 3.7 yards per pass attempt. Marcus, what'd you like from that unit on Sunday?
4: Boogie, you know, I grew up around a lot of old folks and my uncles and they used to tell me all the time. Somebody get in your space. You better throw the first lick. And that's what the D'Amico Ryan's did. The New Orleans Saints were it. Look, this game was close. They could have tied this game up. He stayed aggressive. He kept sending blitzes and pressures toward Derek Carr, and it affected some of these throws. This is a win in the NFL by Shaheed as a receiver, and he couldn't get the ball off because it was pressure in his face. I love the aggressive nature in which they play with on both sides of the line of scrimmage. But in that particular situation defensively, he wanted to dictate what was going to happen as opposed to standing back and seeing if the Saints were going to make a play and they paid dividends for him with a W.
1: Marcus, I still want you to write that book of grandpa sayings. we got to get you on. That. I will. I yeah. will.
4: It's coming. I'll do it's the coming. forward. Not you know you I got a million sayings. Okay. <laughs> Let's go to New
1: England next for Mac Jones and the co- and company have it, just one win through six weeks. Mike Reese covers the team for ESPN. Mike, what's the mood around the facility today?
6: Laura, this is the second straight week that Bill Belichick has had players out on the field on Tuesday. They're normal day off, so it's an extra day of on-field work for players. It was a shorter practice today. Offensive coordinator Bill O'Brien saying it's all about the little things.
4: We talk about coaching better. One of the things we, we need to do is, you know, we have to harp on the details a little bit more. They have to take ownership of the details. We have to start these games better. It's, uh, it's not good to start the game with two penalties. It's ridiculous. That falls on me. That falls on them. Um, I know I say it every week, we're in it together, but there's a small margin for error, and we've got to get better.
6: After practice, I spent about 45 minutes in the locker room trying to take a temperature from offensive players, and starting right guard Mike Owenu told me that what gives them hope is the belief that they're close to breaking through.
1: Laura? thanks to Mike. Hey, still to come here, the Lions are off to a roaring start to the season. See what did there. The guys are going to tell you why Jared Goff is the biggest reason why. You don't want to miss this. <clears> Roar.
0: <throat> ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind hey, you never know and if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial you can too anyone can bracket download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game presented by Allstate
6: Death is the only punishment here now streaming FX's Shogun my master asks what do
0: you seek here?
6: To vanquish our common enemies. Ah! Based on the global bestseller by James Clavell. War is coming. Hey,
5: hey. Ah!
6: The epic saga of war, passion, and power. That didn't come. FX's Shogun, now streaming on Hulu.
4: You know, I just go out and play ball,
1: prepare all week, just go out there and play and, and see what happens.
6: Looking, throws, middle, complete, Amon Ra at the 20. Cutting across, looking for a block. A big block to the 10, (laughs) to the 5, to the end zone.
1: Touchdown Detroit Lions. Amon Ra with a catch. Hey, the Jared goff amon Ra-St. Brown connection has been incredible for the Lions. St. Brown caught 74% of his passes from Goff in his career. That's the third highest among any quarterback wide receiver duo in the last three seasons. Trailing only Matthew Stafford to Cooper Cup and Tom Brady to Chris Godwin. I mean, think about that. What they're doing in Detroit is a whole lot of fun. We kind of might have seen it coming on this show. We love it. It's really fun. We did. Uh, Marcus, we start with you because we can't start with Dan on this. What impressed you most on Sunday about these Lions?
4: First of all, I want Dan to take a page out of Jared Goff's book. And learn how to build trust after you've messed over somebody before. Because remember, I used to tell y'all I don't trust Jared Goff at all. I trust this (laughs) man now. I I love what he's been doing, even since last year. Just hush up and let me finish my damn analysis. You could (laughs) (laughs) just hush up, okay? All right, all right. So, so here's the thing, man. What what I loved about Jared Goff against the Bucks was the fact that one, he spread the ball around. Ten different guys caught passes. The other thing was he played from an uncomfortable spot because we lamented so much about how well the play action is ran in Detroit, and the run game wasn't there, y'all. The, the Tampa Bay did a great yep. job at taking care of Detroit's run game, and Jared Goff had to put this game on his shoulders, and he was able to do so. These are the exact situations. Ye- a couple years ago, I used to tell Dan, I don't know, man. I'm scared when Jared get up the round 40 passes 45 passes. I get nervous about what he can do 30 for 44 300 plus and two touchdowns and it looked great doing it the best thing that Jared Goff is doing right now And we talked about it last week. There is no hitch in his game He is so decisive in, in mm-hmm. the decisions that he's making and how he's letting the football go. I completely agree Marcus He is playing like a veteran and
3: that is a great thing. I think he unfairly got the manager tag a couple of years ago. But if you look mm. at him playing this year, his play does not support that. He looks like a guy that is decisive. He knows the answers to the test and there's no better evidence yeah. of that than what he's done on third down. He is literally one of the best quarterbacks in the league on third down. On Sunday, he went 10 for 14, 176 yards and two touchdowns on third down. So when they're bringing their most pressures when the play is most important and to your point, Marcus, the run game wasn't working. So he had to make these throws himself. He had to make these decisions and he stepped up to the plate in a big way. He's a big reason why the Lions have been playing so lights
2: out. Yeah, fellas, I'd say this. He's probably the best bang for your buck guy going right now outside of maybe rookies. And then right now he's the best guy in the league when it comes to just play that play. Okay, third downs that you talk about Hawk. So you're going to get the spot concept at the bottom of the screen. Flats out leverage linebacker matches, get back side up top to the screen. Now watch what he does to this linebacker, okay? He's gonna peek to his left. This is Matthew Stafford like no look this as he moves this backer to that spot route. He's gonna rip this basic into Amon Ross St. Brown. Bang, that backer only goes there because Jared no looked it. Okay, now another third down. This is third and 12. We got a shallow cross here in the dagger concept. The shallow cross, Hawk, you know this green grass, no green grass. Meaning, if there is green grass here, no defender, you keep running. If there's a defender, no green grass. you got to stop at the hash. Jared, throw the ball to his inside shoulder. Now, Raymond, listen to it. He throws you in shoulder, turn inside shoulder. You don't think that matters? That extra half a yard gets him the first down. This is now a drive. This is all attached together. This is why all this stuff matters. This is a three-level concept. We have a pylon, a sail, and a flat route. Jared is going to read that corner. If he gets nosy at all, because that flat is going to pull that defender, we want to launch this pylon. You see how Davis just kind of sits on that deep outride by St. Brown? Just launch it, dude. Jamison Williams, outstanding adjustment right yep. there. When I say he's the best right now when it comes to, like, just play that play, those examples are perfect of it. You know, like, the, the way that he's mm-hmm. just executing what that play is being asked of you by what the defense is doing, I don't know if there's a guy that's doing it that consistently better.
3: And and you're exactly right. And you can see the way the players around him on offense are responding to him, right? Jamison Williams is running that play because he knows that ball is going to come. If it's open, if this is a throw, Jared Goff is making that throw. We talk about it all the time, Dan. The number one receiver has to be the open guy. To Marcus's point, look at the way he's spreading the ball around. That gets everybody up on every play. They understand they are live because Jared Goff has the answers to the test.
2: Yeah.
4: Hawk, you just tagged the point uh, that I was going to make, man. It's like, because Dan, a couple weeks ago, we were talking about how much Jalen was locking in on A.J. Brown and missing guys. And we mm-hmm. talk about these quarterbacks trying to just kind of force feed guys. That's another thing, to your point and Dan's point, that Jared Goff is doing. Hey, man, if you open, it's your it's your route. It's yeah. your point. Yeah. It yep. don't matter. It's, the, it's not how we started. It's how I see it. So, he, he's lie. doing a phenomenal when, job when... right now, man.
2: When he threw that no-looker, when he threw the no-look to Amon Ra on that first play, that bench route, I was like, I've never seen Jared do that. That's why I called yeah. him yesterday. We FaceTimed him more. I was like, I've never yeah. seen Jared do this. Who was
1: FaceTimed? Wait, you FaceTimed Jared Goff or somebody else?
2: Yeah, um, you know, I was in agreement with Harry. You weren't there. Sorry. Oh, I I okay.
1: Wow. Dan, Dan, you just like, that was a major name they drop. that you- these I know, I know. That's Honestly, we he's shouldn't he's diminish he's so it. So Dan so is connected. Um, all right. Let's get to our top stories here with Paziano bringing him back in here. Dan, start us off with Indianapolis and their rookie quarterback. What should we know?
5: Yeah, Colts trying to figure out if quarterback Anthony Richardson will need surgery on his injured shoulder. If he does, that would likely end his season. And Colts owner Jim ursay told our Stephen Holder last night that that seems to be the way this is tracking. Obviously they have to sort through some more opinions, see what Anthony Richardson wants to do, but the Colts seem like they may shut Anthony Richardson down and have him healthy for his second season. The Chicago Bears quarterback Justin Fields, he dislocated his thumb in Sunday's game. Tests came back all right yesterday, but the thumb is very swollen still and they want to do more imaging later in the week once the swelling goes down. They did sign a quarterback to their practice squad today, so it seems like they might be preparing to be without Justin Fields for a little while. 49ers running back Christian McCaffrey has an oblique muscle injury that forced him from the game Sunday. They did testing on him yesterday, uh, an MRI included among those. Kyle Shanahan, their head coach, sounded optimistic that it wouldn't be a long-term thing, he even held out the possibility he could play this week. But uh, more information needed the Niners don't play until Monday which means they don't practice until Thursday and that's when we'll have our first injury update and the Philadelphia Eagles signed wide receiver Julio Jones. Yes same guy that used to play for the Atlanta Falcons and a Hall of Fame caliber wide receiver. The Eagles have had depth issues at the position behind AJ Brown and Devontae Smith. They put Quez Watkins on IR last week. So taking a shot on a veteran Julio Jones to maybe uh, help get their passing game back to where it was last year.
1: Yeah, I love it. Uh, By the way, we'll see the Eagles play Miami on Sunday Night Football this week. Of course, that's the Tua. Jalen Hurts battling it out. The former Alabama quarterbacks, always interesting. Mm -hmm. Coming up here on NFL Live with the Ravens settling for six field goals on Sunday. How do they fix their red zone woes? Well, Hawk has some hard truths for OBJ. You do not want to miss this. It's all coming your way next on NFL Live. We'll be right back.
4: Tottenham Stadium in London,
2: England, week six. He throws, beats it, complete 30-yard line, 40. It's OBJ, he's to midfield. Drifting to his left under pressure. Throws complete, Zay Flowers. Touchdown, Ravens! Pocket collapsing, he is sucked!
4: Hill in the shotgun.
2: Going deep at the numbers, it is intercepted! Gino Stone!
0: The Ravens will leave London with a win.
1: The Ravens had the most efficient red zone operation in the NFL in the first four weeks of the season. They averaged an NFL best 6.1 points per drive that reached the red zone thanks to scoring a touchdown on 80% of their trips. But something happened in the last two weeks, okay? They're scoring nearly half as many points per red zone drive and their touchdown rate dropped to just 22%. Dan, what do you make of that? What, What happened here in the red zone for the Ravens?
2: Yeah, red zone across the league is down. My theory, and I know we're going to get into this hopefully in the next week or so, all of us is just the lack of offensive line play dominating Mm. in that region. I think for the Ravens, it's the stuff that is missing in their pass game in the field is the same stuff that's missing in the red zone. Precision. There's very little precision in their red zone passing game right now. And I would say to be a good red zone pass game, it's one of two things either super post-snap creativity by the quarterback, like a Patrick Mahomes and a Josh Allen. Now, Lamar has some of that in his game. Or very precise, ball out on time. Spacing has got to be very deliberate. It's got to be thrown to the right location. And you've got to have the guys that are seeing it, wide receiver, tight end, backs-wise, the same as the quarterbacks. The last two weeks, that has not been the case in Baltimore. That's the biggest thing that they have to get figured out to get back to kind of being a more consistent red zone offense.
3: I love that. I completely agree, Dan. The precision in the red zone isn't there. And I'm looking at the leader of the wide receiver group in OBJ. What we're seeing from OBJ is we're seeing them transition from a top receiver with juice to the veteran receiver in that room. And what that means is you have to be an absolute for this offense, you look at this red zone play where he has the corner route. They're in man to man. Yes, he's being pushed inside. He doesn't win. This next clip, which turns into a touchdown on the scramble, this is a mesh concept. And you have Zay Flowers coming from one side. His job is to affect that near side linebacker, and he misses him. Yes. And it forces Lamar out of the pocket to make a play for OBJ. Again, he is one of the best receivers we've had in this generation. Mm-hmm. When he's at his best, he has been the top. But now he is the veteran. I've saw this transition with with Miles Austin when I was in Cleveland. And again, he has to be the guy that in the red zone, it's like, when I go to OBJ, I know exactly where you're going to be. I know that you're going to affect these plays, even if you're not getting the ball, and you're a guy that everyone in this offense can rely on.
2: I totally agree. I think he's got to be at least option two down there, Hawk. Mm -hmm. You know, Mark Andrews will be option one, just because of the relationship that him and Lamar have. But that corner route is the perfect example. I watched that Hawk, and I think he's not even running hard. He's not even trying to win at the top of that. He's not fighting across or you know, giving me full speed effort. I'm, I don't want to question the effort. It just seems like he's not in that route, expecting to dominate mm-hmm. on that route.
1: Yeah, you- uh, he has been dealing with an injury. I think that could be part of it. He's thirty years old. I mean, it's kind of it's kind of sad to be like, oh wow, this guy's on the downturn. Uh, anyway, um, great points either way. We'll look and see if there's an adjustment there. Let's talk a little defense though here, Marcus. What'd you like from them on Sunday?
4: Again, the, the theme of the week for me when I watched these games was the aggressive play calling and then a lot of like a gap linebacker play, just trying to confuse uh protection and 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 get these centers and these guards to think on the on the fly. Here you see Patrick Queen. This is a beautifully dialed up, uh timely pressure for the Baltimore Ravens. A big play in this game, but he understood where the protection was going to be. They did a pick with him in the defensive tackle, and he ended up falling off inside and getting this sack. These are the type of things that you have to do in the NFL. Now you have to force these guys to speed up too much time means they are about to do you a crime. That's what we used to say. <laughs> Too much time, the quarterback is about to commit a crime. And listen, this is what's happening now in the NFL. Like, these linebackers, these double-A-gap pressures, these double-A-gap looks, something that we're going to get into as well because we love talking about themes uh, in the NFL in this show. You're starting to see it more and more from Mike McDonald, the defensive coordinator for the Baltimore Ravens, and it's paying dividends for him as well.
1: Yeah, you guys teasing some great conversations that will be coming your way at some point soon on NFL Live, So don't. All right, every Tuesday here on the show we take a moment to figure out what went wrong for some of the losing teams from the weekend. We're going to give you the answers here, Okay? We start with the Seahawks who lost on the road in Cincinnati. Dan, give us something specific that was costly for Seattle.
2: Yeah, having a plan for different red zone pressures that Cincinnati was going to throw. Sometimes Geno Smith in a pocket spins out into a sack. Sometimes you get the all-out pressure and it looks like zero blitz. Guys drop out when we're throwing into a bunch of coverage. Sometimes we get five on five with Sam Hubbard and Trey Hendrickson and they get their games kind of like what Marcus was just talking about. The lack of a red zone plan protection wise caught up with Seattle.
1: Let's go to Atlanta next where the Falcons lost a home game to the Commanders what was wrong there, Marcus?
4: A week prior, uh Dan showed some Desmond Ritter plays, and I talked about him needing to be decisive. All of these interceptions yeah. he threw were like uh-oh throws. And you just don't want to see that. Look at this, off your back foot, you throw it short in the end zone, worst come to worst, throw that thing into the stands, man. He cost his football team. Like he has some good op- he has some good things on tape, but these are the things that's costing Desmond Ritter. And if you could see Arthur Smith's face, facial mm. expressions and reactions on the sideline. You'd be like that man is not sure about his quarterback right now. If he can be the guy to lead him there.
1: They have so many weapons. It's got to be frustrating for a lot of people there. All right. We finished with the 49ers who were handed their first loss of the season in Cleveland. What were wrong there hog.
3: They pressured Purdy, and he didn't handle it. Well, we have a mm. quarterback within his still his first 17 starts. Of his career, and I think they knew that this was a good defense. But much like a rearview mirror, objects were closer than they appeared. <laughs> he didn't. He wasn't on his marks. He wasn't making the throws. He started to get a little panicky. The good news for the 49ers fans is all is not lost, and the sky is not falling. What he did on that last drive should encourage you because. He knuckled down, and he put them in a position to win a game, which is hard for a young quarterback who had been struggling in that scenario.
1: Yeah, it felt like we haven't really seen him deal with adversity, dealt with a little bit in that one, and did bounce back just too little too late. All right, speaking of the 49ers, Brock Purdy and company head to Minnesota for a Monday night football matchup with Kirk Cousins and the Vikings. That's 8 Eastern on ABC, ESPN, and ESPN Deportes. Peyton and Eli are back once again over on ESPN2. Coming up next, right here on NFL Live, we've got more to discuss on last night's game. What went wrong for the Chargers offense? Well, Dan, we'll tell you what Justin Herbert needs to clean up. That's next. Don't go anywhere. We're right here on ESPN.
4: This is the game that
0: everybody is waiting
6: for you.
1: game to be fun this week. We're glad you're with us on NFL Live. Hey, look at this from Adam Schefter. None of the injuries to the 49ers standouts. Christian McCaffrey's got the oblique. Debo Samuel has the shoulder and Trent Williams with the ankle are considered long term for sources. Great news there. Each has a chance to be ready for Monday night's game at Minnesota, though the work week, of course, will help determine who can play and who can't good news for San Francisco. And let's get back to Monday night. It was a bit of a roller coaster of emotions, OK, for this Chargers fan Mary Marianne Doe last night. So much fun watching her. She experienced all the highs and lows as her team ended up losing to the Cowboys. This was like me watching the game because I picked the Chargers. Um, the team took note of her fandom today. They changed their official profile picture on X to honor her passion. She was just on the Pat McAfee show earlier. Check that out on Twitter. If you get a chance, just really fun to see How much she loves her team. That's why we all do this, right, Marianne? You rock. All right, Uh, let's talk about last night a little bit more. The Cowboys' defense pressured Justin Herbert 17 times on Monday night. Their 19th game with at least 15 pressures since Micah Parsons' first season in 2021. That's four more than the next closest team. The Cowboys improved to 17 and two in those 19 games last night. Certainly a recipe for success. And talking Dallas defense, so you know we got to go to the big swagoo first here. How are they? Able to keep LA to just 17 points, Marcus. Oh, the glasses are off. Are you
4: well, kidding first me? Of
2: all, oh, first of all, no, he's feeling himself. First of all,
4: I want to tell I want to tell Miss Mary and the the fan Brandon Staley, your head coach, prepare to be oh. sick of him and look like that a lot of weeks during the season. Okay, all right, let's that, get on with the, with the with the what we're talking about. Uh, <laughs> Dallas <laughs> Dallas defense last night, especially up front, did did enough. To impact Justin Herbert. And I think at times it had him feeling rushed, even on some in throws. But these were, this is the theme that Dan just pointed out about Cincinnati we've been talking about. Late in this ball game, Dan Quinn decided to bring pressure. And it obviously, one sack by Michael Parsons, then forced Justin Herbert into an interception. But if you think about this game throughout the, the totality of it, Justin Herbert has some very uncharacteristic misses, mm-hmm. like things that we never. Hardly see him do, and you just wonder what type of impact was though the people around their feet as a defensive lineman. And we used to sit in meetings every week, and 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 obviously people love to talk about the sacks and the pressures, but it affects quarterbacks when you are getting close to them, when they feel the wind yeah. of you passing by them, something happens and their clock speeds up. And I thought we saw some of that from Justin Herbert. That was a good job pressuring last night.
1: I can't ignore that you said passing wind, but either way. As for that Chargers offense, Justin I Herbert. Knew it.
4: I knew you was going.
0: To I'm win. mad at you. I knew okay, was let's going talk about the offense. This. Justin Herbert was asked
1: about missing some of those open receivers. Take a listen.
2: You know, Keenan ran two great routes, and I missed them, and, and so that's on me as a quarterback. And we have those explosive opportunities, and um, we have to capitalize on those. You know, that's a really good defense that we're going up against, and. Um, You know, I I can't miss those like that and expect to you know to continue to to get back on third down and get back on track on second down so uh, you know tough opportunities Um, but we'll watch the film and be critical on ourselves
6: so and we'll learn from it
1: all right so he takes ownership as you would expect and Herbert says he didn't connect with Keenan Allen Dan take us through some of the misses from him last night
2: yeah I think it's one of the worst games I've seen Justin Herbert play I mean three plays the two double moves to Keenan Allen and then the red zone on fourth down Justin Herbert you got to make one of those in your team wins. This is the double move. This is called a sluggle, a slant and go. I mean that's wide open in the NFL. That's a touchdown and I don't know that one's not even close. That's a four or five yard miss this time bottom of the screen. They motion him. He runs an out and up a quick end on it. There's no there's no pressure there the defender falls down and there again that that ball a little bit too firm and then down in the red zone watch Palmer from up top. This is that fourth and one. Justin's got to do one of two things here. Palmer's got to either fight back to the football or he needs to throw this ball with a little bit of touch and air to allow Palmer to go run to it. Remember, the the Brandon Cooks touchdown that Dak threw, it was fading away, just throw it with touch or air and allow Cooks to go to it. He tries to drive that one. I, I agree, Marcus, like the pressure mattered. I don't think the Cowboys blew me away in this game. I honestly believe the Chargers gave this one away by the mismanagement of field goal situations, and the way their quarterback played.
3: Hmm. Yeah, and, and I also want to look at Kellen Moore. I need more out of him in the run game. He has to develop a run game. They are bottom 10 in called run plays, and yes, You can put your quarterback back there because he has the arm strength throwing the ball all over the field and it produces gaudy numbers and it's fun and it's electric, but there is a trickle down and a balance that affects this football game and why these games are so close and you're not coming away with them. It puts pressure on your offensive line. It allows your defense to the defense to pin their ear back and go. You're not eating time off the clock, which again, the defense needs to play better, but you're keeping them on the field all the time. So there are so many things that play into this is as a coaching staff. They have to figure it out and they have to have more balance.
4: Well, I ain't gonna say nothing, but I'm gonna say this. Okay, and y'all know what my biggest deal been with Kellen Moore. It's just situationally man, like it's situational stuff that you see. Him I and can't you kill him today. Why? And yeah, like I'm not gonna kill him. No, no, not at all. But I did think at times he was very very predictable with what he was doing we pushing the ball downfield and that's what's happening if you look at Dallas's front when you watch that game it was ears pinned back from first through third down <laughs> on a lot of those possessions you just can't give them that ability man
1: there's a lot of familiarity there too but time for one more thing before we go with flag football officially announced as an Olympic sport Gronk has his eye on LA in 2028 check him out on TMZ Sports here
0: Count me in already, hopefully there's no trials and they just accept me, but I'm, I'm in. I'm going for that if, if there is flag football in the Olympics in 2028, USA going all the way.
1: <laughs> I mean, I'd love to see it. who should he team up with, Hawk? What do, do you be, think? I'll
3: be mad if Gronk gets a spot before me. Yeah, come on. I'm just saying that right now. Flag football, if flag football was around when you I was know, coming you'd up. Nice.
2: You'd be nice. I, I, I would have been say that they dude. if They
4: don't have no end zone. <laughs> oh
2: my <laughs> God, I think they do have, have, have an end
4: zone. I, zone. I
2: don't I know the rules maybe help them out there though. Messed up. <laughs> I love See you tomorrow. You, bro. <laughs>